Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Singleness is one of the most beautiful ways to see his sufficiency. It might not be by choice, but we really do get to walk out seeing that he is sufficient and he does meet every need, literally every need that we have. And I think one of the things that people often think about what should a marriage look like to glorify God, but how beautiful singleness can look to glorify God as well. And if we're all one church body, we should care about each other's beautiful walk in marriage or singleness. Another reason I think this conversation is going to be good for either a married or a single. Thank you for stopping by my podcast, Finding God in Our Pain. Welcome. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Pilkington. In this podcast, you'll hear firsthand stories of how the God of the Holy Bible meets real people in their real pain. We look at the good God we profess through the lens of pain and suffering. I'm processing the most painful season of my life after unexpectedly losing Larry, my husband of 32 years. In my journey, I've discovered that there are many types of deaths. Maybe you've asked God, how could you let this happen? Why me? Where are you, God? Do you even care? What am I supposed to do with my life now? Here at Finding God in Our Pain, we don't shy away from the tough questions. I ask them to my guests. I share what I've experienced. We give real examples of how God shows up in the darkest, most painful situations in life. May the stories that you hear and the advice you receive encourage you to engage the heart of God about your painful places or memories or experiences or even your unmet expectations. Lean in close to God's heart because he speaks beautiful things in the dark. God's word says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And if so, then why would it seem that sometimes God withholds good things from us? And specifically for this conversation, withhold marriage and children from my guest, Lainey Stubblefield. If you've longed for something for many years and it feels as though you've been overlooked, let Lainey's story encourage your heart because she shares how she struggles with God about her pain and the revelations that she receives by engaging God's heart in her journey of deeply desiring to be a wife and a mom. Hope deferred can be about many different desires of the heart. It's longing for something, but not seeing it come to fruition. As mentioned, Lainey's heart desire has been for marriage and children. And as a Christian, she's chosen to wait on God's timing. A double-edged sword for sure. On the one hand, I'd consider that a sliver of gold, being confident that God knows the man whom he has chosen to be my spouse. Hey, at the very least, when marriage gets tough, I could rest in the fact that it's going to work out because God picked this one for me. And yet when it's taken so long for God to answer, it's very easy to also blame him when things don't turn out like I want or had envisioned. Lainey reminded me of my friend, Catherine. They are alike in the fact that they are steadfast in their waiting. And I'm not saying it's easy. Both women are transparent about their experiences with pain and struggle, but they stay the course until God moves his hand. And by move his hand, I am also not saying that he answers in the way they wanted or desired. 
in their struggling well with God, they discover new intimacies about his heart for them. They find that God is enough in every situation. I can't count the times when I was waiting on the Lord to answer a prayer. And then at some point I get it in my head that he needs help. So I jump in and help out, AKA take control. I've got this mindset that surely I missed his leading or when he spoke, I missed it. So I'm going to steer this little prayer request in the right direction and get the answer I'm looking for pronto in the way I like it. So more times than I can count, I have returned to the Lord in repentance with more baggage attached to my original request. Good news though, God's unfazed by my antics. In the past, he's even spoken into my spirit, something along the lines of sweet child, I could have saved you all of that if you'd just been patient with me. And I say that to say this, we can get out there and make things happen on our own. There are other options to waiting on Christ. Lainey has other options. And one of those options being that she could just stay focused on her struggle and pain, but she has set it in her heart and has chosen to submit herself to God's timing and his wisdom. And to some, it may look like God has forgotten Lainey or is withholding this good thing. Even Lainey has asked God that question. But Lainey has pressed deeply into the heart of God to discover the beauty of intimacy with Christ. And in doing so, Christ has revealed his sufficiency in singleness. So you might be thinking, what's the importance of waiting? Well, for Christians, it's in the waiting that our faith is exercised. It's where we discover new levels of relationship with God, where he reveals hidden things, uh, gives us access to new dimensions of his heart. It's where we explore and discover things we didn't even imagine to know. After all, an immediate gratification God does not require faith and certainly no relationship. There is beauty in the midst of the pain of waiting. Lainey's vulnerable and transparent about her journey, and she talks about the various revelations that God shared with her. And I love that she has a strong understanding of the importance of both married couples and the singles with regard to the body of Christ. She has what I would call an intuitive understanding and even shares what she discerns with her pastor, who's very open to her input from a single's perspective. And she shares how to blend the two, married and single, in various ways for a mutually beneficial experience that edifies the whole body of Christ. Listen in to hear all that God revealed and how Lainey has applied it to her life so that hope deferred doesn't become the sole pursuit of her life. Lainey, thank you for your time and energy and willingness to encourage the heart of others who share in your journey of hope deferred with regard to marriage and children. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This work you're doing, I feel like is so important because part of walking the Christian journey includes difficult things. Mm -hmm. And so thank you for tackling the difficult things. We don't want to think about the difficult thing, things. I don't like the difficult things, but the Lord I never promised us. Yeah. And he never promised us that things would be you know, awesome and easy, but he promised that he'd be with us, that he'd walk with us That's through right. it. That's right. Before we get into the weightier part of our conversation, tell us a little bit about yourself because you're, you're a busy woman. I met you at a podcast conference in Nashville and even then you had a full schedule to the point we're just now getting together and it's a little over a year. What have you been up to? I know. Well, sometimes I laugh and just God does so many amazing things when we give him a yes, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm a massage therapist by trade. That's what I do um, daily for my living. Um, my sister and I have had a podcast for about four years now. And it's on Southern culture. So we are Nashville natives and 
we're watching people move in from all different areas of the country, world actually. And um, we just wanted to kind of be ambassadors to the South and kind of give people kind of the why we do things the way we do and explain some of the things about our culture. So been doing that for about four years. And then the Lord's just opened another door. I'm going to have a new little podcast. It's um, a travel show and it's going to be called Have Love, Will Travel. I love that. Have Love, Will Travel. Tell me about that. What's the concept of that? So the concept is what does it look like when you take your faith on your travels with you, where you're kind of letting God steer the itinerary, letting him bring people across your path that may need to hear a word from God. It should be coming out on the Access More Network in October. I cannot wait for that one. Please let me know because the one that you do now, I love with the music and the food and things like that. When I was in Nashville, I ate my way around Nashville and the food is amazing. Good food. So that show is called Steel Magnolias Podcast. That's right. So those are my two podcasts. And then I keep busy with, you know, church activities and work and yeah. I am extremely interested as well in your new podcast. I want to know what it's like to let God have the reins because I know he'll, when you open that up, he will use it. And so what is that going to look like? will. And it's funny. I think we're a little bit needier sometimes when we travel, we need to know things from locals. And so it's easy conversation. Yeah. It's, it's a, it was a fun project. That kind of terrifies me at the same time. You're a very (laughs) easy to talk to, easy to connect with person. Um, maybe that's your Southern charm, but, uh, that terrifies me a little bit and I'm not that far North. I'm in Virginia beach, right on the Carolina line, just about. And so I'm as far North as you're going to get South, if that makes any sense. That's see, true. that's a Southern that's saying. <laughs> so see there's Southern, my Southern roots right there. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but anyway, I am excited for that one as well. Cause I, I, I want to know yeah. how that goes. How will God move? Where did the desire come from for you to get married and have children? Was it something as a young girl? Where did it arrive in your being, if you will? That's actually a really great question. And one that I have pondered because it's almost a miracle. I would have that desire. And what I mean by that is I come from, I love, I have wonderful people in my family, but I have a long line of divorces and unhealthy marriages in my family on both sides. So the fact that I desire that feels like it would be something from God, because I saw a lot of not so great things um, in some of the marriages that were modeled for me. Since I was a young girl, I just desired marriage, desired children. Thankfully, my mom had a strong faith and took us to church. And I grew up in a wonderful youth group that was very Um, shaping of my um, thought life, even as a teenager. So I felt like in a healthy way, I had just in those teachings and in the love I experienced in my church and youth group really felt like, you know, waiting for my husband, um, not getting too far into dating without um, knowing it was going to be, you know, for a marriage reason. And Um, all of that came really early for me. The interesting thing is I never dreamed it would go go so long in the waiting process. So I've got quite a bit of that I can share with people that are walking in that journey. I am 52. 
and still single. So um, a lot of hard times, but a lot of beautiful things God's shown me on this journey too. As a widow, I now realize how the church is really geared toward couples and families. I'm not saying they're trying to leave us out. I mean, the Lord does command us to procreate and fill the earth. So there's that. He's the God of relationship. He's the God who established family. So it all makes sense. But how do you make sense of that when you're not the one with the spouse anymore or the spouse or the children or the family? Was that hurtful to you that you feel like God gave you a dream? Yeah, it has had lots of areas of pain. And even, you know, something I've thought about over the years, I've had lots of years to ponder this. So the church is made up of a lot of singles. I mean, yes, we have obviously lots of families, but there's a lot of singles in the church. And one interesting thing to think about, maybe not something people would want to think about, but even those who are married, I think are going to glean a lot from this conversation today, both in thinking through how to better love on the singles in their church. And the truth is they may become a single at some point, be that sadly through divorce or like your story of loss of a, of a spouse. So um, just because someone's married today doesn't mean that that's, I mean, not that many couples die at the same time, right? You're right like you're that's right. very rare. And the percentage for widows is 70% chance that you'll become a widow. 70%. That's huge. The percentage is not in our favor. And then when you think about, um, I don't know, some of the things that were painful to me, like you were talking about how we see mostly things geared towards families or married couples in the church. Um, I don't think any of that is intentionally to leave anybody out, but it does begin to kind of shape a mindset of um, my life begins when I get to that stage or maturity in Christ equals being married. Not that that's said aloud, but that's kind of what our minds start to feel. I agree. And of course the enemy of our soul loves to whisper that kind of thing as well to try and get us to feel. Yeah. He'll, he'll use anything to try and bring shame on people. So, um, and then I thought about also how many single lead pastors do you know I don't know any I can't think of any you know maybe a youth pastor or something but not a single lead pastor and that's just interesting to me because I think without again without often knowing it that's not seen as the pinnacle leader whereas Jesus lived his life as a single man that's a great God fully man He felt all the same temptations that strangely has even brought me a lot of comfort in just knowing Jesus actually does know what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. He actually does know what this is like. I didn't really think about him being a single man. I know he was not married, but to contemplate the fact that he is single, how has that brought you comfort in what way? Well, it's not even just in his singleness, just knowing that he was willing to come in the flesh, walk on this earth and feel all the things I would feel. So yes, in the singleness, but even in the rejection, in the betrayals, in the, all of the pain, he knows exactly what we've walked through to think about that a God, that God would do that. Yeah. And that's a bridge for any of us. Cause he's done that for all of us as far as yeah. 
walked in in our shoes in, a, in the sense that he knows how we feel on this journey. And maybe that's, that's right. why he's promised us his presence through all of that, meaning he hasn't necessarily promised to fix our pain or to make things go away or to change things, but he has promised to give us his presence. And that's a game changer right. for me. And I love um, that you're willing to just even have these hard conversations with people about where he meets us in our pain, where he even, you know, he'll use everything for his purposes and for his good. Mm. And there's a lot of things I've experienced in life. I'm not sure I would have been able to as a married person or as a mother. I wouldn't have had the time to do some of the things that I've been able to do. Even now I feel as a widow, I'm like, Lord, you got my full attention. I got no other distractions. My children are grown. So I'm like, Lord, I'm all yours. What, it, what have you got? Let's go. When I was going through the, the most painful thing in my life after the loss of my husband, I knew God wasn't bringing him back. It was a done deal. But the one thing that God showed me is that in this pain, I brought a lot of things with me. It showed up and it was tangled in the pain of losing my husband, meaning I had abandonment issues from childhood. I had, um, what else was it? Um, can't think of it right now. God's brought in measures of healing during this time. And so my point is that's what God wanted to heal. He wanted me to give him all of this tangled stuff. What is yeah. something, can you think of that you brought to the table that you had dismantle with the Lord around oh, the yeah. fact that you should be married? Oh, goodness. There's many. The one that comes to mind first is the Lord had to do a deep work in me to even trust men again, because of, like I said, I had seen some very difficult things in, in the home I grew up in and in, in my family, just men abandoning women um, and not treating them tenderly. And so um, I had to literally get some ministry um, to help me rewire my thinking, if you will. You know, we know we need to renew our mind. I had never said out loud that I didn't trust men, but there was a lot of things I could point to that made me feel like that that was a truth. And even things in our culture, you know, you hear jokes um, that point in that direction. Oh, men only want one thing, that kind of thing, where I had to literally get some ministry um, and kind of almost in a workshop style rewire the things I believed, what I, which this ministry that I went through called some ungodly beliefs, things you've come to believe that don't line up with God's word. And so it seemed like it was truth because I could point to scenarios, but I had to let the Lord heal me enough to say, will you trust me to direct you to men who can be trusted? I liken that to when you're talking about your truth and in the way I describe it in my own life is that my reality versus God's truth. And so you yes. had these actual things. Cause I would tell the Lord, I'm not making it up, Lord, you know, the situation I'm yes. responding to. So I didn't make it up, but he would say, but what about my truth? And so I would bring yeah. that to him. And so I think about it, like when you're on an airplane and the weather is really bad and it's cloudy and it's raining or whatever, but if the pilot goes up higher, the weather is clear. So my reality was, or, or can be cloudy and rainy and miserable. But if I look to God, it's the truth is that the sun is always shining. 
and that he has the truth to dismantle these ungodly beliefs that I'm entertaining. So along with that, what else did you dismantle with the Lord? Or uh, that's a pretty big one in the sense of you don't trust men, but was there anything else you brought to him to have healed? Well, I think there was several things I had come to believe that being one of them that just weren't, they didn't line up with God's word. So kind of um, diving into recorrecting some of those kinds of things I had come to believe and trusting God just, you know, after a long period of time, sometimes we can feel like he's abandoned us. He hasn't abandoned us, but again, the enemy likes to kind of twist things to look like that. So there's, you know, certain seasons of life. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to make sure that I said in this episode is this is still a journey for me. I've come a long way, but it's not like I've got this so figured out that there's never any nights that I, you know, am not a little sad that I'm alone, but there is a difference in being alone and being lonely. I think there's a lot of people who are probably married that are lonelier than I am, even if they're laying next to somebody. It's a good point. One of the other places that I have definitely had to um, allow the Lord to speak into was feeling overlooked. I have felt like just over the years, gosh, somehow I must have been hidden. And I think he's really shown me how to reframe that because in a sense I was hidden, but in a protective kind of a way, if that makes sense. I think he knows the pain that I've watched with divorce and he has protected me from that at least. And some of the people I was interested in, in an earlier age probably wouldn't have ended well. So I have to just say, okay, God, you are trustworthy. Um, I'm allowing him to more direct my steps than I was at that point in time. And so just his protection is a beautiful thing, even though it can seem like I've been overlooked. I think he's, he's kept me under his wings. That's one of the things that I have to remember when I don't see what I'm praying for. I don't see a change. It's not that God is withholding something from me. It could be that he's protecting me and I'm not aware of what it is, but yet he's protecting me. That's right. And that actually goes back to the very first sin we read of where, you know, Eve thinks God's withholding something good from her and that fruit looks pretty tasty. So maybe if I just have that, it's going to bring about all those things that I want. Our fruit in that we partake of sometimes looks different from one person to another, but it always goes back to that feeling like God's holding something back. And that is such a lie. It is. And that's, it seems like the original struggle. You're right about God's not giving us what we want. God's not answering our prayers. Cause I think there comes a time in everyone's life when God asks us, if I don't give you what you want, or if I don't do things like you want me to do, and will you still love me? Am I still enough? And have you ever had that conversation with him? Oh, have I? Yes. And The truth is singleness is one of the most beautiful ways to see his sufficiency. It might not be by choice, but we really do get to walk out seeing that he is sufficient and he does meet every need. Literally, 
every need that we have. And I think one of the things that people often think about what should a marriage look like to glorify God, but how beautiful singleness can look to glorify God as well. And if we're all one church body, we should care about each other's beautiful walk in marriage or singleness. Another reason I think this conversation is going to be good for either a married or a single. As you say that, it brings to my mind how important it is to get that perspective out there. The singleness, the viableness and what they bring to the church, because even the word says, if you're married, you have to devote yourself to your spouse and that's your focus. That's your ministry. And yet here you are single and you, I can use you more freely for the kingdom. That's right. So I was just reading this in preparation. So it's first Corinthians seven. We so often don't hear of how many things we can do. So many things we can do in singleness that you just don't have those same anxiousness. I think is the word anxieties that um, Paul's referring to in that passage. I've read a few, several books over the years, a couple of the books that have been the most helpful for me in this issue One is uh, Tim Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage. So good. (laughs) Whether you're married or whether you're single and desiring marriage, it is such a great book to understand God's purpose for marriage. Another book that was really helpful for me um, is called The Seven Myths About Singleness by Sam Alberry. And he gives such a great example, really, of that saying of the grass is always greener. But he says, we have to be careful not to compare the worst parts of being single to the best parts of being married. That's Because isn't that what we so often do? Or maybe vice versa. I've even Mm -hmm. had conversations with people where they're saying, oh, you're so lucky because you can just do this or you can do that. And so they're comparing the best parts of singleness to the worst parts of their marriage. There is beautiful things in both. They're both gifts if we'll let them be. There has been a lot of times it has not felt like a gift to me to be single, but if we'll surrender it to God, he'll show us where the gifts are, where the beautiful parts are. As you say that, it makes me realize that one's not better than the other. They are both worthy of full attention, full value, and bringing different things to the different parts of the body. So that's That's right. And if it's just like what you just said too, it's a body. And Mm. so we're, we're all part of the same body. So if the hand is hurting, it's not just the hand that's hurting. I mean, have you ever hurt a body part? It's not just that part that's crying out. Mm. Same for, you know, we, is the church being all one body? We should care about the health of each other, praying for our married friends or praying for our single friends. When going back to the struggle, the part where it's just very painful and you're really crying out to the Lord, have you had the time or taken the time to grieve your original dream or is it something you still hold out for? I would say both. Honestly, for me, I am still holding on to the hope that if that's God's best, I've been praying for a long time that I want God's best for me. And I have truly come to a place where I know he knows what would make me happy more than I do. There's a lot of things I've thought would make me happy um, that I can now see he was right. So I just have come to the place where I'm like, okay, I still think I want that, but Lord, you know what would make me happy more than I do. 
Now, one of the really times when I was crying out to God and, you know, I've been walking with God for a long time. So I know some, even some scriptures to point to when I'm, but God, you said, and so I was saying to him, God, you said marriage was your idea. And you're the one who said, it's not good for me to be alone. And I sensed in my spirit that he said, but you're not alone. Hmm. Meaning I've put you in a wonderful church family. I've given you wonderful friends. Adam didn't have that when he really was alone. And so how God fills our needs for community looks different from one person to another. And I do still desire to have that person, that one person I debrief with every day and talk about the good things and the hard things. But I do have that in several different close friendships. And I think our culture has really twisted the word intimacy into always meaning a sexual relationship. And there's some really beautiful intimacy in friendships. And it's not lesser than, it's just different. Mm -hmm. It's interesting if you ask people, can you define intimacy in the Christian context? And they seem to always immediately go to sexual, whereas intimacy with Christ is a completely different thing and far more satisfying in the, in the fullness of it. So I understand what you're saying there with the different layers, different meanings, different uh, meeting of your need, as far as intimacy goes. I think in the confusion around what intimacy is, I think our culture and the enemy of our soul has run with that so rampantly that now when people have painful areas, be that trust issues, abandonment issues, they, they come across a friend who's a really good friend and they're feeling a trustworthiness with that person. All of a sudden the enemy's twisting it to be something yeah. sexual. I mean, we're seeing that a lot in our mm-hmm. culture. And how sad I think that we can't have brotherly love yeah. like Jonathan and David did yeah. <laughs> without having it twisted into, oh, they must be homosexual, mm-hmm. you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. So as a whole, the church needs to get a lot more comfortable with intimacy outside of yeah. it being something sexual. I want to hear Tim Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage. What is one thing you took away that it was the most valuable? That the Bible begins and ends with a marriage. And marriage is meant to be a beautiful laying down of one another's lives for each other. And what a beautiful thing that can be when you see it done well. It's so glorifying of what Christ and the church is supposed to look like, but we can do that in our singleness as well, glorifying him through a surrendered life, fully trust, trusting him. And like I said, Jesus was the ultimate pinnacle of what a beautiful full life looks like. And yet he walked through life as a single person. There's that beauty in how God can be glorified in a marriage. And I just liked many of the lessons, the way that he laid that out. But because I didn't necessarily see that in my own family, that book was really helpful for me. And I also think it's one of 
so many reasons God (laughs) calls us to be in a church community because that's been so impactful on my healing in the area of seeing what a healthy marriage looks like, seeing people who work through forgiveness issues, seeing people who work through things without turn into alcohol or violence or that kind of thing. I didn't know what that even looked like until I was watching people in the church, you know, up, up close and personal. I had seen it in maybe just friends' homes and things like that, but I wasn't seeing the up close and personal. Like I do as I'm walking the journey with people in my church where I see how they're parenting situations or working through hard things as a married couple. So I just feel like the church is so important in all of our healing journeys, just to even see things modeled well. There's wisdom in dissecting that, especially when you have the background that you're making reference to. And then there's also courage to equip yourself for the future. Should the Lord bring a husband your way? I read Sam Albury's book and I found it very beneficial. And one of the things that I remember that sticks out to me is the way that we can get engaged with other families where their children, we can enjoy them and be there in a capacity that is helpful where we still get connected up with those things. What did you take away from Sam's book? Well, I've read a few of his books, but this seven myths of singleness really helped me um, see more of the, the, the gifts, the beautiful side of singleness. I have an extra room in my house that if I were married, I probably would have a teenager in it or something. And I've been able to host several foreign exchange students. And um, right now I have a missionary here for a month, Um, just some different scenarios where I have the room to do that. Also, just being a single gal, it's not a, it's not a weird thing to bring in a couple single girls in my house and have Mm -hmm. them here with me. So that's been a really unique experience that I've gotten to participate in with the Lord. And it even is kind of filled some of the need of having daughters. Yeah. Um, Cause I've had several different, some of which I've kept up with over the years where it's just a creative way that he's brought me some mentor mentees, I guess you would say, but daughters, Sam's book, I just felt like he had a really good way of shifting my gaze from what I don't have to what I do have. Did you have any other books? No, no. Those were the two that I definitely wanted to make sure I've mentioned. I've had some books over the years. Nothing's even come into mind title wise, but um, that even I felt like kind of set me up for some disappointment of believing like, oh, if I pray the right way, or if I, you know, have married people pray for me, surely this is going to happen. And I did all those things. And I I don't think it's that I didn't do something right. But my point just being, I think there's some, some things that we feel like if I check all the boxes, then surely he's going to come through with the, with the right guy. As Christians, we have a framework with which to question God about, because we know what his word says. We know who he is in the sense that he delivers supernatural things. He creates miracles. And so I wouldn't refrain from asking those things, but sometimes it does become checking the boxes to make sure you get all the right things done so that he will move his hand. And yet all he's leaning in for is a relationship with us. And maybe it comes back to that part where, am I enough for you? Will you still love me? Two of the hardest times that I've had in life 
with dealing, you know, where I really felt like I went into a valley. One was, um, I have three really close friends from college and two of them had gotten married. Two of us were still single and, you know, we would do fun things together still that kind of thing. But once that third one got married and I was the only one that was single, that was just something that the enemy used to really try and make me feel like I was the forgotten one. I was the overlooked one. And that was just a challenging time in my, in this journey that I've been on. The second one that was really difficult was I'm really close with my, I said, I have a podcast with my sister. She's 11 years younger than me with nobody in between. So when she got married before me, that was really difficult. She married a wonderful godly man who had been a friend of mine before they even had met. He's just wonderful and perfect for her. It had nothing to do with that, but it was, you know, in my head, I was going to have teenagers that would watch her baby. <laughs> and, you know, all those things that I had planned, planned out in my own way. So for her to get married before me and her to get to make my parents grandparents and not me, it was very difficult. And again, it wasn't anything that I wasn't happy for her. It just threw me in this tailspin of, whoa, I'm still here alone. (laughs) And so in that time, I really had to seek out somebody to help me work through some of this grief because it was really deep grief. And one of the best things I learned was just that it's okay to lament on paper to God. Mm -hmm. So I had a woman that I met with, we only met maybe three or four times, but she kind of talked to me about how to lament on paper and would have me do some of that and then bring it in, let her look at it. Not so she could be nosy, but just to see like, am I working through this with God? Mm -hmm. Wow. What a powerful thing that was and just knowing that it was okay to take all of that even the difficult things the painful things that were hard to say and get it out and take it to him because God wants us to run to him not run from him and that deep pain and deep grief will make you do one or the other what was your biggest why for God oh wow I think my biggest why was because oh this almost even brings a little emotion right now I've done everything right the way you said to. Yeah. (laughs) So there wasn't um, a lot of things I could point to that, oh, well, that's why. Um, Because I messed up here and I messed up here and I messed up here. I really didn't have those things. And so to me, um, and I don't think I was walking in like a haughty spirit kind of a way, but just wow, I really did things the way you said to me even as I was a teenager, you know, and now here I am still waiting. Um, But everything can be reframed. And I think he has guarded me from a whole lot of pain. You know, we have to see his limitations as loving guardrails. It's not that he's trying to, just like I was talking about with Eve, it's not that he was withholding good things he tries to give us these guardrails so this is where you're going to be happy this is where my my shalom my peace my wholeness is if you go outside of that 
there's it's not going to be good. So it all comes down to, do I trust that his guardrails that he's put up are for my good and that he's for me and not against me? Mm. But yeah, I've had my moments where <laughs> I'm, I'm looking over the fence going, wow, that looks pretty good over there. I had a guest a couple of episodes ago. She was struggling with infertility and she told the Lord, I did everything in order like you like things done. I did all that. And then I, now you're telling me I can't have children. And so there was a checklist first and foremost, she was going by and the Lord wanted to really get more intimate with the relationship, not so much a checklist. And then secondly, she didn't hesitate and wait for God to answer. She filled in the blank herself and went back to something she had done in her teenage years. And therefore she immediately said, oh, that's why because I did that thing and you're mad at me and you don't, you're not going to give me children now because I did that. So she didn't even wait for God to answer before she filled in the blank and then beat herself up with that whole thing. In the meantime, God's over there going like, babe, I can heal that for you. I can redeem that for you. If you'll just give it to me instead of hanging on to it. And so I think a lot of times that's what happens. We go through this checklist and then we think we have done the right things. God, why aren't you moving? And yet there's so much more that he wants to do. That's right. So much more that he wants to do. He's always inviting us in to go deeper and deeper with him. Switching gears a little bit for the woman who is weighing her options. What was your personal thoughts on surrogate or sperm bank or adopt? Well, this is still an area of a little bit of waiting on God to show me the whys on a few things, but I was always open to adoption, but I really personally didn't want to do it alone. Um, I have a good friend who went ahead and adopted as a single mom. It's been a wonderful situation, not perfect, but wonderful situation for her. But um, I just really wanted to do that with, with a husband, not just by myself. Now I've had my unique ways of bringing in um, people short-term into my home and long-term into my life. Mm. Um, But yeah, as far as raising children, I really wanted to be doing that with a husband. So I think that's very personal. Only you and God can figure out the right way to do that. I didn't know if your journey had included that and what your thoughts were on that. In your conversations with God about why you had not gotten married, why you had not had children, what were you filling in the blank with as to why you could not get married, why you were being overlooked? Had you filled in the blank for God before he spoke? Oh, I'm pretty good at that. So maybe I had most of my answers that came were really just, I hate to say, but they were disappointments with God, like feeling like it was on his end that things hadn't happened. Cause, (laughs) um, cause I really had tried to do things the way I felt like was the Christian way, the godly way. Um, I've led book clubs on, you know, single women reading books, preparing us for marriage. I've had the married women come in and pray over us. And all of that was super sweet. But I feel like it's been more in my late 40s to early 50s before I finally got to the place. And maybe that seems late to some people, but um it was at that point when I started coming to the place of, I I can't put life on hold until 
I'm married because there's too many good things to enjoy and too many things God needs me to do to wait until that. Have you had time to dig down or delve deeper into your feelings of why you want a family, why you want children? Is there anything attached to that when in this journey? I really feel like for me, the desire was God-given. Like I said, I hadn't even seen a lot of good godly marriages and still desired that. Um, so I, I, that's one of the reasons I'm still holding on to if God wants to do that. Um, I'm completely open to it. But I've also found many of the gifts of the beautiful. I mean, I have time to drop plans and do something for God that somebody that's married with kids might not be able to do. I don't have a whole lot of driving kids around and um, making sure they're all fed. I can grab some hummus and celery and go do something on a weeknight. And I know that that's not everybody's story. Some of the things you've already mentioned somewhat answers this question, but I want to bring it up just in case this is something on the heart of a woman who might be listening. When it comes to leaving a legacy, we often look at that through our children only, but where have you chosen to make an investment, be it your time or your passion, your skills, your talents, your money, where have you left your imprint for a legacy? I love that you asked me this question. A really transparent answer is legacy is so important and there's even, um, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but um, there's a song that is so beautiful that so many people love that's being sung right now. I think the song is called The Blessing. Oh, yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And for some reason, that has been a place of pain for me, that song, <laughs> because it says to your family and your children and their children and their children. And so that is just a place where I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't have that. So what does that mean? But the truth is I do have many seeds that I've sown, even if it's not literal children. And there is a scripture that I really love in Isaiah 54. And it says, sing, O barren one who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud you who have not been in labor for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. So I have children all over the place. I have two girls that live in China that I have hosted. <laughs> One's in college here in the States right now. I have hosted some young women who've been here for ministry schools. One's in Ireland, two are here in America. Right now I have a gal here for a month. She's British, but she lives in France. So to me, that scripture just speaks to the fact that only God can give you children who are all over the place yeah. in this world. And so while some might see me as a barren woman, God doesn't see me like that. God sees me as the one he's entrusted to sow life into girls all over the place. <laughs> Some just even within my church that I've checked in with and um, loved on. The enemy loves to run with making us see things in a painful way. Whereas if we zoom out, and I even loved your um, description of going up even where we, if we literally see ourselves as seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, 
looking down on what's happening, it will so often make us see it differently than what we're seeing just right here in the natural realm. It is difficult. We stay focused on what is in front of us, but if we take our focus off those things and put them on that, that godly perspective, that heavenly value system, it does change everything about our existence here. I guess that's why we're told to renew our mind every day. That's right. And it is an every day because I think those lies try to creep in any way they can. And it feels very real sometimes because it's very much things that, like I said, that you can point to. What about this and this and this? Mm-hmm. But we have every to day. say, does it line up with what God says? Amen. Everyday battle of the mind. <laughs> You're safe when you struggle with God because he's not going to ever use that against you. Whatever you say, whatever right. you do. So in your midst of struggling with God, what is something that he said to you that spoke something beautiful in the dark? Even when you're sharing that there are girls, I think about when they have families and then you get to meet their children and things like that. So that, again, another generation that you get to have a connection with. So that's that's a beautiful thing. And I have a nephew um, who is just the, you know, my pride and joy as well. (laughs) So He'll be turning five next month. And I just love all my time that I can get with little Mr. Jacob too. He sounds like he's fun at five. What are some of the ways that you've processed your pain and grief of the original desire? Is it journaling? Do you have that trusted circle of friends you spoke about? Is it that church community? In what ways do you find have helped you process your pain with God? That's a great question. And I think it's looked different in different seasons. At a younger age, it was journaling. Um, In all honesty, I kind of went through a time of looking back at journals. And that was a place of pain because I was seeing, oh, just how long I had been praying for something. So that used to be a, a more of a way that I would process with God. And now it's, it's shifted. One of the really dark times I came across um, a woman who's a spiritual director and she was really um, helpful. She's the one who taught me how to lament on paper. Um, Explain that process. Lament on paper. So she had me read Lamentations and take some of the grief that I was feeling and literally write it to God. So it was a conversation, but I was saying my part before waiting to hear his part. And it was just really helpful to kind of get it out. I didn't bring that here with me and that might be hard to read anyway. Just where I was saying in all in very honest tone with God, what I did not understand and then wait on him to receive his love through that. So she really helped me in that process. And if you know very much about spiritual direction, they're not really there to give you as much counsel as they are to take you to God and let him do the work. So they just kind of ask you a question or give you a, maybe an action to work, you know, but it's between you and God. So Mm -hmm. she's just Mm -hmm. kind of sitting there. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> to help steer that in a healthy way. And then I have actually felt like the church that I'm in is very open-handed. They actually have liked when a few of us that are adult singles have given feedback 
on things that are said or done from the pulpit that are painful to singles. Oh, that's very good. And I, it's so good. And I have seen some things now over the years that have kind of shifted where it's better to me. Mother's Day was often a painful day um, to go to church as a as a single and have that desire. I have a feeling many of your listeners will know what I'm saying. And now they'll often say, if you are a mother or an aunt or a spiritual mother, you know, where they're addressing more than just you've birthed a child. Because there are many, many mothers out there who've never birthed a child. I agree. Um, So I think just even some of the language that I've been able to help shift in my personal church culture, I hope will make a difference to whoever's at least in that little gathering. When I think about the way you just described that when they broadened that definition that's so beautiful because it is so true yeah and that's that's another thing I don't think that anybody's heart is to hurt when they're up there saying something like stand up if you're a mother you know it's just their way of honoring but they don't necessarily think about what would that look like if you've had three miscarriages and you still haven't actually held your baby mother's day can be a pretty painful day So yeah, just seeing some of that kind of, um, my church is very open to hearing those kinds of things that are painful to singles. Lainey, as we wrap up here, is there anything that I have not asked you about that you want my listeners to know about your journey through uh, Hope Deferred? Like I said, I think there's so much we can glean from one another in the church, um, singles being really intentional to pray for healthy marriages in their church and for the marrieds to pray for the healthy singleness of those who are walking that path. So much could be gleaned from just putting yourself in someone's shoes, even just in prayer, you know, just thinking, wonder what that's like and really just sitting in it for a minute. It will guide your prayer life and even sometimes show you practical ways to help somebody from either side. I just encourage people to do that. I have the gift of having many single friends that sometimes will talk about some of the hard things, just including singles, um, whether you're in church leadership or you're just a couple that's having, it's very normal to want to be around people who are like us. But sometimes if you're having a couple of couples over, you could include a couple of singles too, and it would still be a fun dynamic. So just including singles, I encourage people to do that. Even sometimes one of the things I hear people say a lot is it's hard to vacation as a single because you don't have anybody to go with. I think that's a place where sometimes if it fits and there's a couple people that you want to invite to also stay in the beach house with you, invite them along. They'll often even pay their way because they sometimes have the resources. They just don't have anybody to go with. So. That was one of the things I wanted to say was just, you know, singles and marrieds put each other, you know, just pray, pray for each other. I think we both need it. And um, I heard this comedian one time. I thought this was so funny. He had just gotten married in his late forties. And he said, you know, I think the group that was most excited at my wedding were the church leadership people. Cause they didn't know which Sunday school class to put me in. <laughs> And it hit me as so funny because I really do think we so often don't fit in the boxes of, you know, you're not college and you're not 
it's just hard to find the, the right place. So just including the, the adult singles in, in all the things because we, we have a lot to offer. <laughs> right. You do. We do. We do. Um, and then one last question for the woman who's walking that journey of desiring marriage, desiring children, and God has not opened that door and she's waiting patiently on him. What is something that she can take away with her today? Savoring the, the day, not just looking forward to not putting life on hold until you have that person continuing to contend for that. If God's put that in your heart, don't lay down, you know, your prayers for that, but don't hit pause until he answers it. Cause there's so many great, great things that he has for today. And we don't know how long that season's going to be. So just um, enjoy what he wants to do today and continue to ask him for that. Thank you, Lainey, for pointing out the fact that how, how important it is to have those deep, painful conversations with God and yet leaning into him and trusting him that he's not withholding anything from us. He's protecting yeah. us and our patience with him will, I believe, be the best answer for our life with regard to him knowing us better than we know ourselves. Thank you, Lainey, for your That's time right. today. Thank you so much. Bless you. Thank you for your time and for sharing this experience with my guest. I hope you have found encouragement for today and a deeper revelation of God's heart in the midst of pain and suffering. We'd love to have you as a subscriber to Finding God in Our Pain so that you can be connected with all my guests as they share their personal experiences and professional knowledge about pain and suffering. And because this podcast is a division of the website, A Life of Thrive, for more information and the various ways you can connect with us, please visit the website, alifeofthrive.com. I look forward to sharing more transparent stories from the hearts of women who intimately know what it means to have their world flipped upside down, their authentic struggle to make sense of it, and what recovery and healing looks like. Till then, sweet woman, remember you are not alone and that God speaks the most beautiful things in the dark.